This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome everyone to Project Sanctus official podcast with love, justice, and liberation for all. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla. I am here with my partner in crime and consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. And uh, uh, this is our um, place where we have conversations, well, one of many places where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, which we're really going to talk, dive into one, you know, um, major overarching dismantling today and fostering liberation, especially in the, when it comes to the challenges that spiritual seekers face, including spiritual communities. So um, before I keep going, how you doing, Ogan? Another day in paradise. <laughs> That's what you always say. And someday I'll believe it. Someday, right? someday it'll, there won't be a cognitive dissonance. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, my, uh, in general, overall, uh, I, am, I am happy. My life is going um, how I designed it to be, very intentionally. And I still am eagerly awaiting for the income to catch up to it, but I am not, I am not uh, worried or panicking um, just yet, just yet. Other than that, I'm great. Yeah, it's one of the things about self-employment, always having to, what I call, stuff the pipeline. So there's always, uh, you know, just have to keep, you know, creating and, you um, new ways of being, new new avenues of, you know, income, yes. and it can be challenging, and it can be fun, and it definitely has a freeing nature to it, and uh, there is the business of bills to pay. I, I don't know. For some reason, the electric company wants their money. I don't get it, but, you know. I, I don't, I don't either. We'll have to talk to them someday. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, good. Mm -hmm. Glad it's another day in paradise for you. How are, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, another day in paradise. Um, it don't, right. I don't think you often, you know, you're you, you're in Barbados or Morocco. You're kind of in places where it makes sense to say another day in paradise. I don't often hear paradise and Missouri used in the same sentence. So, well, this is true. And having lived in Missouri, I agree with you. And <laughs> Also, I don't know that anyone is going to be hasty to say that about Casablanca. Um, the myth, the myth, uh, the myth vastly outpaced the reality yeah. of the place. So the only true place that that 
I would say of the places that I spend a lot of time in that that really applies to would be Barbados. Barbados is a little bit of a paradise and um, I will be there in November. I'll be doing my uh, usual winter stint um, there November through February, maybe March. So when I'm there and I say, I'll really mean it. Um, Right. And like any other place, um, it also has its downsides. Um, so yeah, when I'm there, I'll, I'll covet you about those too. So, you know, <laughs> paradise is a state of yeah. mind, really. It, it, it you know, it but, is. Well, yeah. it's, you know, it's interesting too. I, and then I'll keep us moving is, you know, when you talk about Morocco or Casablanca or Marrakesh, you know, I think a, a lot of, um, especially people that have not been there, you know, what comes to mind is, it's just from, you know, commercials and movies and TV shows and like, it's just beautiful and people are beautiful and the food's fabulous and, but really not actually any concept of the reality of day-to-day living and culture. And yeah. When, when you are a tourist, you will have a paradise experience when you are not, not as much. You know, and and when I am here, I am not a uh, for all intents and purposes, I am I am not a tourist. Right. Uh, you know, yep. I'm I'm here. I'm, I'm the months that I'm here. I'm living with a partner. Uh, she works. I work. It's it's not. You know, it's not. It's not the we going to visit exotic places. Um, hate that word. Exotic places within the the country. Um, my very first visit, we did that. And it's like, yeah, we got lives to live. We can't do that every time you come here. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, but, but in a couple of weeks, we actually will be taking a little, a little extended weekend vacation to uh, Lisbon, Portugal. So that will be. Oh, nice. That yep. will be vacation that's a fun, time. That's a fun city. That's a fun city, too. So, I, so I've heard. Little excursion. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard. And you've been all over the place, too. You've been there. You understand. You know how it goes. Yeah. So yep. here we go. All right. So on, on with we the want to, Yeah. Speak. Well, speaking of, you know, globe, you know, wandering around the globe, we want to thank our listeners that come from over 30 countries around the world, including South Africa, Mexico, Singapore, Algeria, um, and all over the United States, our listeners, our subscribers. Um, we can't do this work without you know, our subscribers and those who, who make uh, generous donations to Project Sanctus. If you want to join in the conversation with us on Facebook or Instagram, our handle is at GetOurHolyOn. Um, you can also call and leave a message. We have a phone number, 413-438-4659, also known as 413-GetHoly. What do we have coming up, Hogan? Um, we have our, as usual, affinity groups every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. We actually have one coming up this Wednesday, uh, October the 4th. If you happen to be listening to this before then, the short window between now and then, uh, right, right. October October 4th, we get that coming up. And you can, if you haven't yet, you can register for that uh, at projectsangus.com. Um, this first Wednesday will be our communal group. So everyone, all the ethnicities, all the races, all the genders, everybody will be in one group together as we talk about what is up in the world or whatever issues people bring or whatever topics we choose um, towards dismantling systems of oppression. 
you know, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of topics, but it is a safe online space where we can come and together, you know, really have conversations and, and become aware and dismantle the internalized stuff that we have that we're carrying um, with us. Um, also, um, starting this month is my new men's group called Men Better Together. That's going to be on the second and fourth Wednesdays on Zoom, 8 p.m. Eastern. This is a men's only group. And when I say men, I'm talking about self-identified male. So if you're a cis male, a trans male, uh, you know, gay male, in a relationship male, unemployed male, any male, <laughs> any male. Uh, this, or you are you are you are welcome. And this is again also a space where um, I am inviting men to come together and let's really have conversations around how we've internalized and perpetuated the patriarchy um, and support each other in our in our journey. So uh, to register for that, go to my personal website revoganholder.com/men um, and. It's free to participate and I welcome donations for that as well. And um, speaking of the aforementioned create a new pathways for income, uh, this week I started my new Substack uh, newsletter called a necessary trouble um, in honor of um, the late representative John Lewis who invited us that uh, if we wanna see some change, sometimes we gotta get in good trouble and necessary trouble. So I'm basically going to be using that as my main blogging platform moving forward. So if you're listening and you want to support me, um, both as a writer and financially, you can subscribe. There's going to be an option for a free subscription, but not all my posts will continue to be free as they are on my usual blog site. Um, so you can subscribe to that only $7 a month. You can save if you do a whole year at once. You can save if a group of you get together and sign up together. There's an option for that as well if you want to save more. And if you happen to have like really deep pockets and you are super generous, as I know some of you listening are, there's a friend for life option where you can name your amount over uh, starting at, I think it's $125 um, that, or higher. So I'm looking forward to some of you super generous, abundant folk out there to uh, support that. Can I just be your friend for life because? Uh, oh, yes, but it'll cost you. You can, I mean, you, you're already my friend for life. If you want to read the stuff. You're stuck with me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, anyways, um, and you've also got a class coming up called Enough of This Generosity, which is really taking a paradigm shift as it come, as it as it applies to uh, prosperity and abundance teachings. This is a really, I think, um, important class for people in new thought, whether it's unity or um, centers for spiritual living or science of mind, whatever new thought um, platform that you belong to. Well, I mean, anyone really. Well, and anyone really, yeah, because it's yeah. not, it's not, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not movement or religious specific. Um, no. And we and we know there are a lot of like non-religious folks who are really into manifesting and and all the stuff yeah. uh, you know online. So this is really, I think, an important class for you guys to take and and really shift uh, your outlook on this. So that's um, this is going to be Tuesdays, October twenty fourth, November twenty first, six thirty p.m. Eastern time. 
And you can register for that at projectsanctus.com where you can also um, just leave donations generally to support this work that we are doing. Uh, I think that's it for, for what's coming up. And on today's episode, well, actually today's and the next episode, this is going to be a two-parter uh, because we are going to have conversations around dismantling the patriarchy. And we should have recorded our planning session around this yesterday because <laughs> it was it it was fascinating because yeah. because it was interesting. And as we were planning this episode, we were becoming aware in the ways that we were perpetuating the patriarchy in planning how to talk about dismantling the patriarchy. Uh, yeah. So so it's it's so subtle. But um what we settled on doing, and we can spread this across two episodes, is we're going to address how the patriarchy uh, shows up in five specific areas of our life, how it shows up, who perpetuates it, um, or rather how each of us perpetuate it, regardless of our, our gender, um, how we are harmed by it, regardless of our gender, and what we can do to dismantle it and some of the antidotes towards patriarchy. Um, and at first, at first we were going to do two, we we're going to do one episode and then we we're going to do two episodes and we were going to do one for one from the men's male's perspective, how men perpetuate and are hurt by patriarchy. And then it was like how women perpetuate and are harmed by patriarchy. And then we realized one of the things that the patriarchy does that harms us all is it, 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 um, what does it got? It does the whole like, tries to fit us into that gender binary idea. And we were doing that binary yeah. thing by splitting it across men and women across the episodes. And we we're like, no, we can't do that. It was, it just shows how much it's so ingrained and unconscious yes. and internalized yeah. that even when, even when we're tempted to do good things, it shows up. Yep. Right. So, um, so the five categories we're going to cover are um, relationships. Uh, so this is, um, where, where's my list? I lost my list. Where'd it go? Um, uh, I had a list. Anyways, all right. I got it. I got it. So it's relationships today, relationships, sex, sexuality, identity. Oh, that's one thing. And yes, that probably itself means like seven episodes, but <laughs> right. we're going to do I was it. just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. We're we'll get that it. done. You know, just like that. It. Yes. Yeah. So how, how the patriarchy shows up, hurts us, all the things. Uh, across that relationship, sex, sexuality, identity uh, spectrum. Um, and the reason we're tapping all those together is because I think, I mean, all these categories are related to each other because we're not silos, but those I think right. tend to really fit together. We're going to look at work uh, today as well, or work lives, because for many of us, unless we are retired or independently wealthy or you know too young to work, we all, we all work to some extent. Um, so there's that. Um, and then the second episode on this topic, we're going to look at self-care and pleasure as the third category. And then uh, religion, spirituality, and church, that's going to be the fourth. And then we look at uh, family, family, parenting, elder care um, as the fifth. And, you know, as we say these categories, you can see how there's going to be some overlap, you know, like when we speak of relationships, family. Uh, and there's overlap yeah. there when we speak about pleasure and self-care there's overlap with sex and relationships so there's going to be overlap and if you've ever listened to any podcast episode we have ever done 
you know, there's never any straight lines for anything. Like we just go all over the place. But yeah, but we do come back to our land. Do we? We do. Maybe just for a moment. But I, I have to. I have to stand up for us. We do come back to to a, a lane. That I we think we ended. I think we ended up just paving a whole new lane and convince ourselves that well, this is where we started. We do that too. And, we do and, that too. Yeah. The both end. We do the both end. Yes. We do the both end. <clears throat> so so let's dive in and um, let's first talk about what patriarchy is. And um, side note, there are still some people in this world who don't believe it's a thing. So there's that. Yes. Put that up there. Yes. I find it unbelievable and but it's a thing. So so patriarchy we label under one of those uh big three systems of oppression. There's patriarchy, white supremacy and capitalism and they're all intertwined with each other. They're all um um, enmeshed in all the culture and all the ways we see the world. We are born into it. No one sits down and teaches teaches us how to be patriarchal, how to be capitalist, or how to be, you know, infused with the white supremacy cultural norms that we talk about a lot. It's it's, it's baked right in. It's baked. It's baked right in. So yeah, it's it's sort of like I don't want to say it's the natural part of who we are, but it's very much um how we learn to be in the world the norms exactly it's it's a normative it is it is it is a normative thing Um, if you want the if you want the fancy word we can say it's hegemonic there you go blows away blows (laughs) away with us it's always always good to have a geek around (laughs) yes hashtag intelligence is the new sexy um so when we speak of the patriarchy it uh, we can define it as a system of relationships, beliefs, values embedded in our political, social, and economic systems that structure gender inequality between men and women. I think it's fair to, at this point, find out when we say men and women, I know we just established a gender binary, and part of that paradox is that there is really no gender binary. Um, so I think... This is this is the thing about patriarchy. It it reinforces the binary and then creates inequality between the binaries, with yeah. men men being the preferred gender, women not. So I think when we use men here, we're using it as a placeholder for all self-identified male beings, whether you own a penis or not. And women as all self-identified female beings, whether you own a vulva or not. So that works. Yeah. It's all it's right. just we just have to keep, you know, reminding people, uh, because that's actually part of dismantling the patriarchy is is having to repeat things over and over and and <clears throat> and you know, saying it the way you just did, because um these quote unquote, masculine norms, um, you know, the dominant ways of quote unquote, being a man are culture, just like racism, socially and culturally constructed, they're dynamic, they're moving, and they just keep evolving, you know, over time. Uh, yes. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago, when that term metrosexual came on board, and, you mm, know, yes. the, 
the, you know, hegemonic masculinities were like, wait, you know, danger, danger, wait, what do you mean? You know, no, no, it's not metrosexual, you know. Um, so it's just, we say it that way. And it's important for us to keep reminding people that while it sounds like we're being binary, we also, that's part of the problem is uh, uh, our language often um, gets in our way or inhibits us or um, we say the thing we don't mean because we, we may not even know, you know, that our language is perpetuating uh, oppression right. or- yeah. We kind of got to name it so that then we can break it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah. it's very true. It's, um, you know, I don't know what I don't know. So if I want to uh, dismantle something, what is it I'm dismantling and what does exactly. it mean? And what, you know, so. So there you go. Um, so in this patriarchal system, um, attributes that, uh, that we term masculine, um, are, are seen as um, to be ascribed to uh, privilege and attributes seen as feminine um, are undervalued um, and not desired um, as well. Um, and and the high, in the hierarchy, patriarchy, um, along with, again, white supremacy and capitalism, um, maintains this hierarchy that values straight, white, gendered, able-bodied, educated, property-owning, monogamous Christian men as the ideal standard. To so well, give that list also, again. Sorry. Go yeah, do the list again. So I want to straight, add a couple things. Straight white. Oh, these are these are not all the terms. These are not all I the qualities. No, <laughs> yes. no, I know, but there's a couple okay. of other big ones. Yes. Straight, white, cisgendered, able-bodied, educated property owning, or I should say, and financially uh, successful monogamous Christian men as the standard. Okay. And anyone that, that, that doesn't belong to this very small selective group is seen as marginalized, subordinate, and, and routinely experience less access to resources, goods, and services. You've heard us talk about social location before. Um, this is sort of what we were referring to. So what else were you, were you gonna add? So what the other things that are that are that are uh, every bit as insidious, but I also think um, get overlooked or are less obvious, but every bit as powerful in the foundation of patriarchy is risk taking behaviors, um, mm. heroism, physical prowess, mm, yes, uh, and um, uh, sporting skill. You know, which is kind of like along the physical prowess, but those, you know, kind of go together. And, you know, here's a, what I'm about to say is a whole other show, you know, the, this fighting that goes on around, you know, um, a transgender woman that wants to engage in, in, you know, women's sports, but is prohibited because no, no, you're a man, you know, kind of. So well, let's, um, let's talk about that when we do pleasure and self-care, because yeah, maybe. Maybe we throw that into that category. Pleasure, self-care, sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> kind of what sport is, right? A nice combination of pleasure and self-care and, and for, for the elite few, um, um, how one makes a living um, right. as well. Earning, earning, earning potential uh, for a small window of time, depending on the sport. Um, so, but yeah, you're absolutely, uh, absolutely right. Um, 
and I wanted to, and I just, before we keep going, I just wanted to circle back to, you You had a very, you know, when I said, you know, it's good to have a geek around, you know, with hegemony or hegemonic masculinity. Um, and, and you made the comment, you know, intelligence is sexy. And what, I, what was fascinating about that is that that is the antithesis of how I grew up. I spent, and this is a very, you know, very patriarchal outpicturing that I consistently dumbed myself down mm. uh, to fit into places. I consistently was told by, I mean, even like elementary school, middle school, high school, grown men, you know, through my life on a regular basis, hearing from um, a man saying that uh, I'm intimidated by your intelligence or your, intelli your intelligence intimidates me or is something of that nature. And so they go away. And I'm like, wow. really? Uh, you know, I mean, I've had people, I've, I've also had people, I don't want to play Scrabble with you anymore. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's a luck of the letters kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but, but I've, I've spent most of my life being, um, you know, don't be too smart. And it didn't come from my family. Everybody in my family is, you know, crazy smart. It came from all around me. Um, even and, women teachers. And, and I'm, I was about to say, don't give yourself a little bit of credit on the Scrabble. It's a little more than luck of the letters. Cause as, well, a, yes. as, as a person who sucks at Scrabble, I get all kinds of letters that I still can't make words for. Um, and, True. and, and people will look at my hand and go like, Oh, look, that's a word. And I was like, I had no idea that was a word. So, right. so yeah, don't, yeah, I don't, that. I don't tell you, don't, don't play down your intelligence again. <laughs> no. Stop. Right. I, I've, I, yeah, I've had to, it's, um, I mean, I stopped a, a while, you know, years back, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it, even when I talk about it, it kind of hurts my heart because, uh, yeah. you know, you know, you don't, you can't be your authentic self. So anyway. So the other thing we want to point out before we started to get into the different categories was um, to point out that because of our interconnectedness and interdependence as human beings, there really is no beneficiary or, or just uh, bene benefits to any system of oppression. It harms everyone. Any system of oppression harms both the oppressed and the oppressor. They're not harmed equally, but be clear yeah. that harm happens to those who suffer from patriarchy and those who perpetuate patriarchy, which when you think about it is kind of all of us because it is the system, again, that we are born into, that we internalize and in various degrees, um, we perpetuate and harm others and harm ourselves by it and men are the i guess default beneficiaries of patriarchy and we are harmed by it um we don't even those of us who don't seek to consciously perpetuate patriarchy because we are quote unquote doing our work um we still we still in we still internalize it and or rather we still uh, perpetuate the the harm um 
by it. Um, and some of the, some of the, sorry, go ahead. You want to say something? Well, one of the, what, yeah. So the part of that, um, the perpetuating, and it's that vicious cycle, right? That you're, mm-hmm. you're wounded by it and perpetuating it, but it's the, the irony or the other characteristic that helps perpetuate it like keeps that cycle going is that one of the the norms is the idea of stoicism that men should be quiet and not show emotions you know otherwise you fall out of that masculine ideal um so having that stoic nature is not you know is not going to support someone in you know shifting out of it right that that's a good segue into the first category of of relationships and it's a good reminder that we're recording this in October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And when we think of domestic violence, we tend to genderize it as something that men, that harm that men do to women. Whenever we think of domestic violence, domestic abuse, the image that first comes to mind is um, a man abusing a woman. And while that is the majority of the cases, men are also um, experienced domestic abuse um, and violence from their partner. So whether it's a a straight man in a heterosexual relationship um, or um, gay man in a homosexual relationship or a trans person, trans man, Yes, trans men are men. Uh, trans men in a relationship with anybody—it doesn't—it doesn't matter. Men, self-identified men, we are also—we uh, also experience domestic um, violence and domestic abuse. So I do want to invite folks to be aware of that and actually plug the uh, the number for the domestic abuse um, hotline, which I thought I'd put in the notes. I think. I think I forgot to hit save when I updated these notes last time, <laughs> as I often do. But the number is 1-800-799-7233, 1-800-799-7233, if you live in the U.S. Um, but they also have a website that you can go to, things hotline.org, which, um, yeah, thehotline.org which you can go to for resources or like chat in real time with somebody um, no matter where in the world you live. So um, I wanted to point that out and and to speak to when you talk about the stoicism, the fact that um, men under-report experiencing um, domestic violence and domestic abuse um, for a number of reasons including um, there's in it's a it's a weird reversal of genderization there's increased shame and stigma on a man for being um, for experiencing domestic abuse i'm really trying to not see a victim of experiencing domestic abuse and domestic violence because of that expectation of stoicism of the things you mentioned earlier physical well, strength physical prowess that, yeah what kind of man are you prowess. that you let a woman Exactly, 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 exactly. Or if, again, situations where if, you know, there are two men in a relationship and the abuser is the physically more diminutive 
generally weaker, right. smaller of the two. Yeah. You know, so it's it's the same. So shame. there's that the same shame. Um, and when men do report um, being um, experiencing domestic violence, domestic abuse, they're often not believed by authorities. They're treated okay. differently when um, by medical establishment, by doctors. I'm not taking their, their injuries are not taken as seriously um, as well. And, you know, this is not me crying, oh, oh, poor guys and, and ignoring um, what women go through. That's not what I'm doing here. It's, but, we've, but all, it's, we've all gone through that too. It's just, uh, it's more out in the open. Yes. You know, like, and, why and, did you stay? Yeah. And why didn't you run? And how, exactly. blah, blah, you know, all of the things that you did wrong that brought exactly. this to you. It's just uh, more, quote unquote, acceptable to, you know, it's so, more on people's radar about. Right. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so there's that, there's that, I, I guess, you know, in, in, in many ways, I don't know, it's fair to say that women, women still, who experience domestic abuse, get, get blamed for, um, for not doing anything about it. Um, and men tend to get blamed for letting it happen. Uh, which is right. sort of the same thing, but there's a there's a nuanced difference there. Yes, uh, there is, and and women still do. Uh, and one of the things that perpetuates it is actually um, is the conversation, is the um, you know. So here we come back to the men women thing that that violence against women is a men's issue. Um, yes. and so the media you know, and people who report it or talk about it, you know, it, the story always, always starts with, you know, John beat Mary. And then it becomes Mary was beaten by John. So all of a sudden she's the subject. She's, you know, the primary person. And then by John gets dropped off. Then the story becomes Mary was beaten. And mm. then the story becomes, you know, Mary was battered, you know, so we ramp up the, the, uh, the verb. Um, and then it becomes Mary is a battered woman. So now John has been erased from the picture several steps ago. Uh, and now it's all the focus is all on Mary. Um, and so all the energy goes into that, which is, and the same is true, like change the words, you know, change the names. Yeah. Um, but that's how it happens where the person that is experiencing the violence, the domestic violence, uh, becomes the focal point. And what are you doing? What were you wearing? How did you, why did you stay in that relationship? And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because the abuser gets dropped off the story. So um, I recently shared in a blog post, um, I've been writing about my uh, polyamory journey. Some folks have been asking me to talk more about it. So I started writing these blog posts. And I think I am at number four in that series right now. Four of, I don't know how many I'm going to write, <laughs> indeterminate number. But, but number three I was me, uh, started off about me talking about just, you know, um, the relationships and what happened right before I started this journey. And namely, uh, the death of my father and the end of my, I guess, last monogamous relationship I was in. And the two occurred pretty close together. 
And that relationship ended, the monogamous one ended with me experiencing domestic violence. And it's interesting because when it, when it happened, I, you know, it, it took me a little while to actually convince myself that it was domestic violence because, or it qualified as domestic abuse because it only happened over the course of one weekend and then I was out. So there's this narrative that, and uh, I, don't, I don't plan for the whole podcast to be talking about domestic violence, but uh, there's this narrative that, that it has to be an ongoing pattern and has to happen over a long right. period of time to count. That's not true. Wants is more than enough. Um, so there was that. I didn't have any trouble telling what happened to like my closest friends and finding a therapist. Like I knew enough about myself to know like I can't keep this bottled up to myself. What had happened? Right. But I struggled to talk about it publicly, and I had to. And I realized over time it was for all the reasons we just mentioned. I know better, and I still felt the shame and the embarrassment around this happened to me. And even though my brain is going, you know, that's not a thing. My body is when we talk about things being an embodied experience, trauma being an embodied experience, my body was still feeling that shame of embarrassment around telling the story. It took me over a year to write about it and share about it publicly. Um, So if you're interested in reading that story, Plug for my Substack, huzzah, necessarytrouble.substack.com. You can go sign up if you're on the Substack app already. Just read Necessary Trouble. Uh, that The post is free for everyone to read, so you can read about it there. Um, it's also on my blog, on my revogenhole.com website. Um, but um, I'm hoping more men will share stories. And yeah. because the more the more we share, the more we men destigmatize you know, the shame and embarrassment around experiencing domestic abuse and it really fosters healing. And it also dismantles the patriarchy um, because patriarchy says that we as men need to need to be the strong ones. We need to not share that we have been hurt or oppressed in, in any way. And the interesting thing about patriarchy is it only works when there is a gender binary and as we know, there really is no binary, right? Gender, gender like race yes, is- like race is, <laughs> social you, construct, but, people. So, social construct that we have made real and we've made it real yeah. because we structured how we live um, around it. So yeah. uh, we won't, we're not gonna go very deep into why gender is not a binary. If, if you wanna know more about that, you know, I mean, look it up in Google. Is gender a binary? But but we know we know it's it's not. Well, the you know I just I want to back up for a second around the um, you know your own uh, experience uh, with domestic violence and again some of the insidious um, um, you know masculine um, ideals right that mm-hmm. that show up in our current dominant. Um, patriarchy you know our current our culture our dominant culture right now and and so you know and these are again some of these subtle things that that to me they're I mean they're subtle and not so subtle but there's this element of heroism right so it kind of goes along with it's a almost a little deeper into that physical prowess 
but you know the idealized masculine man is you know the hero da, 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 you know and um save the day you know and all by yourself you know you save the day and so um you know it's sort of like you're having to save the day for you um yeah. and the the piece that's attached to that is um the that masculine stereotype that you don't ask for help um you know when it comes to mental health it comes to physical well you know whatever it is there's general you know for the most part in our culture the stare the masculine stereotype is because that shows weakness you don't ask for help it's like not asking yes. for directions <laughs> yes yes and that's and that's something interestingly enough that both men and women internalize mm -hmm. you, you know um and and other other gender stereotypes that show up uh, in relationships as well is for men is we have to be the protectors and the providers yeah. um, yes. for our family. Yes. I, re I remember when I um, chose to be stay-at-home parent um, for my infant daughter and, and my wife um, continued working. And which it, it made sense at the time. One, she made a lot more money than I did. And two, I had a lot more patience than she did, which which you yeah. need if you stay if you're staying home with a crying child all day, right? Yeah. And I ended up staying home with three babies and a little daddy daycare going on. That's a whole other story. Anyways, the point was that I remember at the time her father was concerned because he's like, I don't know that Ogan's gonna be very happy doing this because he's not fulfilling his role as a man, as being provider of the family. And I was mm. like, have you met me? There is nothing better I would like more than right. sleeping in, playing with my child and watching cartoons all day. Like, come on. <laughs> well, that's another one of those, um, you know, um, masculine, you know, kind of roles. And it's, it's right. very, in human history, it's very recent. It only kind of got going in the mid 19th century of that breadwinning thing. You know, the, the, the role as the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's not, that's kind of new in our human history. Uh, and it's given how new it is, it sure has taken root hard. And it's, and, and it's got, the, it's got, I was what? Gonna say it's got, it's got ties to capitalism. There's a connection yes. between that yes. capitalism also, uh, around monogamy, monogamous relationships really began mm -hmm. to be established as, as, uh, modern societal norm because of the rise of capitalism as well. Well, and then there's that song, and I don't remember who the artist is, the woman that says, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never let you forget that you're a man. Like, you know, I can do it all. And, um, you know, and that, and it's a woman that's singing the song, but like saying, I can do these men things too. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, no wonder I grew up confused. <laughs> um, some... <laughs> Um, and along and uh, along with the men being the you know providers and protectors, therefore women are the more subservient uh, homemakers, yeah. um, nurturers. Um, and what's interesting is that as women over the recent decades entered you know the workforce and and took on full time jobs, they were still expected to be the nurturers after being right. at work all day uh, right. as, as well. You know so. <laughs> There's, there's, yeah. there's that too. Um, 
And when we, um, another aspect is we speak of relationships um, when, it, when it comes to sex, the patriarchy has instilled in men this expectancy of, of we are owed sex um, and we are entitled to sex. And yeah. if, you know, again, unfortunately, plain alone heterosexual um, norms, if a woman doesn't give me sex, then something's wrong with her. It's her fault. It's not got to do anything with me. It's so funny. Before, <laughs> right before this, we started recording. I was I was having a virtual video lunch with uh, one of my partners who was back in DC, and we were talking about. She's a big football fan. I am not a football fan, and when I say football, I'm talking about American football. Not the real football for international listeners. I'm not talking about what Americans call soccer. I'm talking about this weird sport that's called American football, where the ball never actually touches your feet, except for the kicker. I still don't understand the sport. Anyway, she's she's a big football fan, right? And um, side note, this is one of the benefits of um, non-monogamy in that she doesn't need me to be a football fan. She's got another partner who's a football fan. And I don't need to fulfill that role for her because I ain't going to ever really be a football fan. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but anyways, we were talking about how football is, uh, how the f- football world, or rather the American culture is all uh, excited because uh, Taylor Swift is now dated an NFL player. Ugh, Taylor- I know. <laughs> is it, what? <laughs> right? So... So we were kind of sorry. Having... I didn't. I didn't mean to make such guttural sounds. I'm like, really, people? This is the excitement in your life. Uh. Listen, listen, listen. In a world that's on fire, any any bit of joy we yes, can find. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Okay. You know, and for me, like this is. I'm not a football fan, and don't come for me, Swifties. But I'm not a Taylor Swift fan either, and it's not anything to do with her personally. I'm just not a big pop music fan in general. Um, yeah. Yeah, if it helps, I'm not a big Ed Sheeran fan either. So, anyways, it's not a big what fan. Ed Sheeran, you know. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Uh, oh, my last a listen. A lot of stuff not pop. <laughs> there's, there's that too. Anyways, um, I was, I was invited <laughs> to, uh, you know, cut her some more slack. Anyways, the point of the conversation I'm making is that what's also happening is in right wing circles and platforms, there's a lot of criticism around this this relationship and at first i was very confused because i'm like these are the you know this is like the two this is like the american dream come true you have america's true religion football and one of the biggest stars because he he's the one and he the one who recently won uh super bowl was it the yeah the chief yeah yeah the chiefs right he's he's, on the chief he's like the the poster child for right (laughs) this yeah exactly exactly and and one of america's biggest beloved pop stars are in a relationship together you can't get more america than this right Right. why is why is the right making a big fuss about this and i realized after doing a little deep dive in that it's really around is really being being fueled by that that segment of men who are not just misogynists, but also part of the incel community, um, the involuntary celibate community. And if you don't know about these guys, they basically blame women for everything that is not going well in their lives and refuse to take a look at themselves, 
and um, there's a huge intersection between incels and MAGA guys. I mean, there might be a perfect circle, <laughs> but uh, but the point is, they their source of upset is that is based in um, here is a manly man um, getting basically the one of the idealized images of a woman, and they will never get this themselves. So there's this jealousy, there's this envy, there's this distaste, there's this distrust, and they're fueling this real negative um, thing. And once again, the women are being blamed. The woman, in this case, is, is being blamed somehow for this whole thing. And this is just blowing my mind. And I wouldn't really give it any voice except to, to pay attention to the rise in the misogynistic, patriarchal, sexist voices in places like that. And their voices, like, you know... Uh, Andrew Tate and other uh, uh, Jordan Peterson and other misogynists who who are saying the reason men are struggling right now is because of women. No, men are struggling and women are struggling because of patriarchy, because of capitalism, because of the systems of oppression, because there's actually been a movement towards uh, gender equality. We're not there yet by any stretch of the imagination, but because there, there in the last few decades has been a greater attention to um, how things were skewed towards men and gender equality was was um, paid attention to, looking at things like Title IX and all those things. Um, yeah. Now we're seeing more of an equal playing field. Men just aren't getting what they feel they deserve by showing up and not doing anything. So now there's this group of men who actually have to, you know, work, take care of themselves, you know, take a shower, put a clean shirt on um, and <laughs> stop believing shower, conspiracy <laughs> nonsense and start yep. taking accountability and stop blaming women. You know, no, no one wants to date you if you believe in like deep conspiracy MAGA wingnut sort of things right. and and think right. that women are subservient to you and think that women owe you sex or something no a woman in her right mind is not going to want to date you that's not her fault that's yours again well, you know sorry sorry are you, are, you, are you familiar with josh hawley's latest book oh my god yes yes yeah. forgot about it so him. i know but he's that he's that um it, clearly the poster child for toxic masculinity, toxic, yes. you know, this patriarchal system um, and, you know, telling men that, you know, this is how to be a real man and women yes. staying home and, 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 um, uh, or Mike Pence, who says, who can never leave his wife alone you know, <laughs> to be a, you know, ugh. I'm like, ugh. and again, and, and, and what's mind boggling sorry. is right. the women like Mike Pence's wife, she's perpetuating yes. the patriarchy. It's well, and the term would be paternalism. Like she's engaging in, you know, paternalistic um, uh, in the system by allowing that, you know, by, yes. by taking the subordinate role, by saying it's okay to have a subordinate role. And I guess I wouldn't, you know, there's also, I can also feel, I mean, like, okay, everybody gets to decide for themselves. Yes. And, um, I, you know, it's not, I don't hear any voice saying, yes, this is not, you know, this is not, you know, the patriarchy. This is, I'm not upholding this, this oppressive right. system. I'm choosing this life, but that's not what's going on. 
No, it's not what's going on. And I'm, and I'm glad you said what you just said, because that gets us into, you know, what's the antidote for the patriarchy in these situations? What's, how do we, dis, how do we dismantle it? Um, and, and part of that is, is making our choices from an informed place. So right. there's nothing wrong with either a man or a woman or any one of partners in a in a relationship. There's nothing wrong with any one of them deciding to, you know, stay home and raise the kids and cook the meals and clean the house. There's nothing wrong with one of them going out and being the one who earns the money to provide for the family. There's nothing wrong with either one of those folks doing that. OK, or if you are in a relationship that has more than one person in it. Um, there's nothing wrong with any combination numbers of people doing any of the roles. And are you making those from an informed place? Are you making those from a place where it's like, this is just the way it's done. The women stay home and the men go to work, right? Um, without any thought to it. That's perpetuating the patriarchy, but educated and, and making them from an informed place um, is 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 shifting things, knowing that anyone can take on any role at any time, and and it and it be okay um, as well. Um, real briefly before before we move on to work, um, I mentioned you know the the patriarchy uh, created this male entitlement around sex, but then it also creates the you know women are to be shamed and vilified for being sexual. Um, right. and, and, and wanted to be sex, which makes me go like, well, then who are, who are the men having all the sex with? If, if, right. if the women are, right. right? We, sh yeah. we shame the women for wanting to be sexual. There's a whole, I was reading a couple articles about, uh, you know, and this, and this cycles up every few years about um, a person's uh, count, as in how many people they've had sex with. Right. And how we are obsessed with the number of people women have had sex with, because that tells you something about them. We judge women by that more often in a negative way if it's a high number. But no one's asking men and no one's judging right. men, except except within men's circles. And again, generally yeah. speaking, the heterosexual men. And if the number is too low. If, if the, the number is too low. Right. If the number is low, <laughs> we men are judging each other by that. Yeah. What's wrong with you that you are, you know, 42 years old and only slept with two women your whole life? What's wrong with you? Right. Again, patriarchy. That's that's the patriarchy, right? Putting pressure on men to be these hypersexual creatures when some of us are not. Um, and then. Yes. And if a woman is, she's a slut. Exactly. Exactly. So there's there's that there's that double standard. So the idea then is the goal is to realize that how many people, any individual, however number of people, any individual has had sex with doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. And also yeah, sex ladies, doesn't don't answer the question. And and men don't ask the question. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, and also, side note, sex doesn't just mean a penis in a vagina. That's a whole right. other thing right. as, as well. So, all right, let's move on to work for a little bit. <laughs> I feel we should, have done a, we should have done a whole episode on each of these categories. Is it too late to change? No. You want to pivot? No. You want to pivot? No? Should we do that? It's not too late to change. We can... <laughs> 
We can do whatever we want. <laughs> we can do whatever we want because there's so much more yeah. I want to say on relationships, sex, sexuality, and identity. I know. So, all right, we're making a real-time dynamic steering decision here. We're now going to be doing five episodes on this man in the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, so I, I think the, you know, yes, I, I think, so real-time, you know, sharp left, um, and, you know, topic per episode, because I, I don't, I think the thing that, you know, we, that maybe we haven't, I don't know that we've addressed well enough is what's the antidote? Yes. Yes. Um, very I've only clearly, been, what's the antidote? Only been touching on it ten, tangentially. What do you have? Right. Right. Well, it's, um, you know, for people that the, for anyone that identifies as a woman um, is first of all, to recognize that we're complicit in this system that we that oppresses us and mm. and finding and noticing the ways we are complicit so one of them because women you know uh you think the locker room is bad with men they ain't got nothing on women in the locker room um <laughs> women do are, tell do tell <laughs> well women are brutal on each other they really are um the uh you know, as, as someone who, you know, is overweight. So that in and of itself is, you know, um, so my intelligence got me, you know, my body shape doesn't, you know, is needs mm -hmm. to be oppressed because it's not, it doesn't fit the, the quote unquote normative beautiful. And for, to keep this, you know, patriarchy going, uh, men need to have a beautiful woman on their arm. Like that's a, a hegemonic norm. Uh, and I think that has shifted some, you know, in the last few decades. And, and one way that you, that you can notice that is when you see a couple together, um, there are times when, when the, uh, so let's say a man and a woman couple and the can man I, can is. Can I, can I, can I jump in real quick to, to also mention, we have to, we have to acknowledge the intersectionality with race and ethnicity when it comes yes. to size preference, right? Yes. Yes. Because, yes, yes, because yes. that, that ideal slim figure is a very white normative thing. Yes. Um, well, since and, we were talking patriarchy. <laughs> yes. I thought the white yes. thing was a given. <laughs> um, no, because but you're, be, yes, be, you're correct. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because, because so, so, uh, and, and I just, and I just speak to that from, from being aware of my own internalization of that norm and, mm -hmm. and, and a history of not necessarily seeing fuller figured women as attractive and going like, yeah finally going like where does that come from and realizing where that where that comes from but in 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 the black culture in the black culture a full a full a full-bodied woman is seen generally as also attractive and desired as well uh, which so, is why i've had more luck dating men of color than white america there you go there, there, yeah. there you go all right um i i apologize for perpetuating the patriarchy by interrupting you <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. Well, hell, I let you. Must be what Ogan has to say is much more important. Oh. Um, so we, 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 as those who identify as women, we, we are complicit in our own oppression, and we do that by perpetuating what, you know, these, you know, things about wellness and what is, what does it mean to look or be healthy, 
right? We have mm. these assumptions. And so we, we pick on each other. You know, we, you know, in, um, you know, if I have a friend who's struggling with their weight, um, well, let me reverse that. You know, when I, if I'm talking to someone and just like not feeling healthy, you know, just not feeling healthy that day. And there are days when I'm really down on myself and I, I'll make some kind of statement about, you know, I'm needing my own zip code, which is, you know, incredibly uh, disparaging of myself. And that comes from this culture that I live in. And then, so what I mean by we are complicit in our own com- oppression, women will respond and give me the solution, mm. right? Here's what you okay. need to do. Here's this, here's this system, here's this program, here's this, you know, rather than just allowing something to be and pointing out where the system is broken, that I'm not the one that's broken, the system is broken. Um, Even when, when, you know, uh, people that identify as women, you know, I need to before I can go out in public, I need to fix my hair. I need to fix my face. I need to, you know, I need to look good to go out in public. I mean, that's just, I don't think most, most women uh, actually realize what, what they're perpetuating when they do that. Now, it's not like I'm suggesting everybody go out with bedhead in their pajamas, you know, I just, but it's the automatic thinking that, here's my little ritual I need to go through in order to be seen in public. Um, you know, like needing to look pretty or even if I'm just running an errand, you know, and I'm running an errand that's a drive through <laughs> so, but yet still thinking that, you know, um, that I'm needing to look a particular way. Uh, we, how we talk to each other, how we hold beauty, right? Uh, how, yeah. Like goop is not helping. Um, what does it mean to, you know, <laughs> sorry around? Well, it's not like uh, it's, it's heartbreaking because I, I like ben, Gwyneth Paltrow, but goop is not helping. Um, no, but not. well-being, like the whole idea around beauty and well-being and health, we are not helping each other. We are perpetuating here's, you know, these ideals that we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to act. And, you know, the whole, even, you know, profanity. Um, what is it we say? You sound like a truck driver. You sound like a sailor. You sound, you know, mm-hmm. you know, these, these sort of only men are allowed to sound that way. Right. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. So it's, no, it's, it's policing ourselves, but it's time to stop policing ourselves. Or if we're going to police our, you know, not policing, but empowering, like pointing out where, where I'm being complicit with the the system of oppression and stop yes yeah and and a lot of it also is being able to hear when other people mm-hmm. point it out to us because because we don't realize half the time when we're we're doing it um you know one of my uh, one speaking of the affinity groups we talked about earlier uh, on the third Wednesday, we, you know, we have two separate groups. Uh, you take the white folk and I take everyone else. And often it's me and three older black women um, who are in, in the black affinity group. Um, 
And it is always a learning experience for me. These women take me to school without even knowing, without me even realizing class class was in session, right? And and I've told this story, but it bears repeating. Um, one of the one of the women is from uh, Dominica, a neighboring island in the Caribbean, where I'm from, Barbados. And I remember one one night we were talking. Uh, uh, I had mentioned, you know, maybe someday. I'll maybe retire and move back to Barbados. Um, um, had I started my nomad experience then? I don't think I had. But anyways, I don't think so. Uh, don't think so. But, she, but yeah, but she mentioned, uh, yeah, she said, I'm never moving back to, to Dominica uh, ever. And I was like, well, why wouldn't you want to do that? And I'm like in shock and like, and she simply says to me, you've never been a woman in the Caribbean. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, shit, I did. The, I did the thing. I did the thing where. Yeah. So it's it's absolutely it's absolutely true. So so being in the conversation with these with these women um, has been. Uh, it really illuminates how the unconscious patriarchy comes out of my mouth when I'm not mm. even, uh, you know, thinking about it and, and, and realizing about it me judging her for not wanting the same experience that I did. Cause clearly, <laughs> clearly I'm a man. So I know what I'm talking about. Uh, right. And, and, you know, that's what I always and, think. <laughs> right. And it's not my conscious thought. I don't have a conscious right. thought of I am the man. So I know what I'm talking about. It's more like I can't envision that someone else has a different experience from me. Right. Um, yes. and, and then when they do, I judge it as in, yeah. as inferior. And I do that with women. If a man has a different experience from me, you know, traditionally in the past, I'm much more open to hearing it. But if a woman has a different experience, then it's not as valid as mine. And that's one of the ways I realized for years, I've been perpetuating that patriarchy and not even doing okay. it consciously you know, um, until enough people pointed it out to me um, yeah. um, as, as, as well. I remember, <laughs> this was years and years ago, uh, I was in an argument with a, with a good uh, female friend of mine and um, I was arguing with her and I called her and at some point I was like, listen, honey, and when I said that, when ooh, I said ooh, that, ooh, ooh. Like, it was so weird because even as I said it, like, we both knew that all of a sudden we jumped into a territory that neither of us wanted to be. Yeah, you were trying to stuff those words back in your mouth. At that point, she just goes, I think it's best for both of us that you leave now and just don't say anything else. I'll I'll call you when I think I'm ready. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. and, and, And in that moment, I was like, oh. I just gone done fucked up big time, right? And it was, yeah, it's just, just don't realize how, how internalized this stuff is. Well, and I think so part of that, you know, the, the antidote, you know, it, in like what you just said in those kind of conversations is to pause and it, not so much pause, like we need to go to our corners, maybe later we can talk, but like mm-hmm. pause in the conversation and, and, and let the person know how honey, sweetheart, you know, lady, whatever, you know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's this new, 
you know, word in there and they're like, you know, um, but, but pausing and saying something, you know, and it doesn't have to be said in a confrontational or, you know, power over, but, you know, often we can say something that's like, here's why, you know, what you just said just shuts a conversation down and here's why. Uh, Another one. And, and, you know, women do that to each other. Okay, honey, you know, like we'll slide things in um, to, you know, when, you know, wanting to be nice and sweet and really what it is, is to shut down. um, I'm right. You're not uh, kind of thing. And and And, women do that. And, and to be clear, some of those words have been reclaimed. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking of the word bitch. Like we were just, uh, I'm like, um, here at, and and we were watching um, Sex Education. If you've never watched the series Sex Education on Netflix, I highly recommend it. It is so great. And one of the characters, uh, he's he's black, he's gay. He, they're they're they they're now in college, and he's got new friends who are also gay and trans and queer, and. Um, and they are in very flamboyantly referring to each other as bitch. And it's like, yes, bitch, you know, stuff like that. And I mentioned, I mentioned um, they're, okay, so you can only use that word now in an affectionate way if um, you are, the only, the only men that can get away with saying that are gay men in the company of other gay men and women and trans friends. They can get away with saying that. Um, right. And maybe uh, women to each other in a in the affectionate yeah. girlfriend way, but yes. uh, but um, straight men, no, that that you're not you're not you're not allowed to use that word, no, because nope. that 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 word, no, yeah yeah nope nope. So uh, you know I just um, you know coming back to the antidote because uh, I I really you know, we can talk about the elements of patriarchy and, and um, paternalism, you know, forever. And it, I want us and listeners to, to take on the, it's the self-aware thing, like yes. listen to what people are saying, listen to what you're saying, notice, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, there's so much unconscious, like I got to look good before I go out of the house, you know, and, and when am I, when am I being quiet when I don't need to be, you know, and when am I, um, you know, how many times, you know, and I know I'm not alone in this. I have a lot of friends where, you know, the mansplaining starts and we just sort of roll our eyes and move on our day instead of saying, you know what? (laughs) Um, And I've, and I've actually interrupted men and tried to go down that road and they continue to mansplain. And then I interrupt and go, and they continue. So if I've done it twice and you keep going, I just smile and nod. But it's, it's you know, women being, you know, those who identify as women, if you're, you know, in an experience of what we label as mansplaining, um, you know, I, I don't doubt this is that intent impact thing. Like, I don't doubt for a minute that the gentleman is really good hearted you know, or wanting to help or, or be supportive or whatever. And they're playing out, uh, you know, uh, patriarchy. So I, I try to remember that, you know, they're more than likely coming from a good hearted place and that's the intention. However, the impact is not that. 
And so remembering for me to, okay, here's the impact of what you said. I have a, a good friend that um, talked to regularly. He's an older gentleman, former military. And whenever we're doing something, he routinely will text or email, you know, like an article to read or something that I'm like, yeah, so I've been doing this 15 years. I'm good. <laughs> I don't, but I know he's only, it's from- he's only He's only trying to help, only being helpful. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And I always smile when I get something back. And <sighs> you know, um, and every once in a while, he'll go, oh, am I doing that mansplaining thing? I go, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I just, I have to come from the place that I don't, that it is, you know, I get the good-hearted nature and I need to point to the impact. I think that's and the, really and important. The, and the fact that he's becoming aware of it is huge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's never too late. You mentioned he was an old gentleman. It is never too late no. to start doing this work. It's never too late um, because it helps. It helps transform. It helps transform and dismantle the system. I got I got I got one last story I want to share and then we can wrap up if you want. Um, I'm here with my partner in, in Morocco and she has one of her best friends has an eight-year-old no he's a nine-year-old son and my partner is 44 45 she's never been married she doesn't have any kids and this boy said to her because of that her life is already wasted the boy is nine years old and he said this to her wow and when she told me this, my brain froze because I was like, wait, what? Nine years old. Wow. Okay. And he's so, so patriarchy already in him and already showing up. And out his mouth. And out his, and out his mouth. And, and to be clear, he, he, he loves her as much as his own mom. You know, yeah. arguably more, but we won't go there. Um, and <laughs> and they love each other, and she loves him as if he was her son. And like, it is a beautiful thing to watch two of them together. And and he says this totally unaware of the just the harm that was inflicted with that with that statement. And it's yeah. So so we're not blowing this out of proportion when we say it's what we're born into, and we just almost pick it up by osmosis, though we do by osmosis, so. Well, yeah, and and the, so yes, you know, socialize that way. And to the extent that has an understanding of these roles and, you know, patriarchal, you know, markers and feels the freedom to say it. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's a, it's a whole thing. All right. Um, yeah, let's wrap up here. Cause we could talk about this for another two hours. Just this one. Thing. I know. <laughs> Next week. We'll talk about work. Next episode. Yes. <laughs> talk about work. Can't believe we're now doing five episodes on this. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> but well, you're right. We'll see. Maybe it turns into four or three, uh, you know, or three. I, I don't know. Yeah. On the, on, on, on the fly, on the fly, we'll do it. Um, but in the meantime, um, uh, we do invite you, if you are listening to this episode, to please share it with your friends. Um, let them know that you can find us on any platform, sorry, podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. If your friend still struggles with podcasts, you can find us online at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. We welcome your feedback. You can email us. You can call us at 413-GET-HOLY. Please, please give me the feedback. Let me know how I have perpetuated the patriarchy just within this very episode. I am sure that I have. I'm not... I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being dead serious. I'm going to re-listen to this when I'm editing and go like, ah, shit, I said the thing. I did the thing, all the things. Um, so so I'm, I'm open to the feedback um, as well. And please visit projectsanctus.com to see all the events we have going to leave a donation. If you're a man listening, please consider joining my Men Better Together men's group. Um, so that we can do the work together because sometimes as much as it is important for us men to listen and believe women, this is also some work we got to do amongst ourselves. We got to get ourselves. We got to, we got to manage ourselves as men. We got to hold each other accountable as men. That's our work to do as well. So please consider joining my group. And until we meet again, let's get our holy on. <laughs> <laughs>